Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This recording may contain content unsuitable for children. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm your host Brian. And I'm your host Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons from Oafish Orcs to Oversized Ogres. And today's episode is a class breakdown of The Wizard. I cast Fireball. should like to hear your plan, demanded the knight Huma. In good time, the wizard Magius replied. There are far too many matters here that I must attend to immediately. Magius tapped his staff on the ground. Huma felt a shiver cut through him. Then he saw the mist. It flooded about Magius as a pet bird might around its master. Huma could not feel any sort of breeze, nor was there any seeming source of the mist. It moved as if with a life of its own. Guests. Guide. Megius spoke the words not to Huma, but to the cloud, and it responded. Guests, guide. They will need rooms for the night. Rooms. Megius grimaced. Air elementals, so slow. He waved a hand at the mist. Now if you please, once you are fed and rested, things will be much clearer. Hey everybody, this is Will, and I just wanted to thank everybody for all your support and for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, the alternate introduction for this episode is actually a short reading from one of my favorite novels, The Legend of Huma. It is a classic fantasy novel from the Dragonlance campaign setting, written by Richard A. Knack and published in 1988. I highly recommend it for anyone who's looking to get into some classic fantasy reading. Uh, thank you again. All right, so today we are going to do a class breakdown of the wizard. The wizard is actually one of my favorite classes in the game. Yeah, it seems great. Probably in my top three. Uh, Ranger being number one, and then um, I love the paladin. And then my favorite spellcaster is the wizard, which couldn't be more different of a class from the last class breakdown that we did, the fighter. Yeah, it's a big, big difference. The fighter's going to be up in people's faces. The wizard, um, from what I've seen, spellcasting is best used at a distance. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say the wizard wants to kind of stay away from the the front line of the fight. You know, he's kind of the squishiest class out there. The There's glass cannon. Probably the sorcerer is probably in the same boat when it comes to being squishy. But yeah, your spellcasters usually don't want to be on the front lines. Um, what do most people like in pop culture think of when they hear you know about a wizard? When you're going to have a conversation with you know uh, somebody that doesn't play the game or isn't into fantasy, what do most people jump to? Probably Harry Potter. I would imagine it's very popular nowadays. I love Harry Potter personally. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's I, great. Know, I've read all the books. It's great. It's it's nothing like the wizard in D anD. d But uh, I mean, there are some similarities. They both cast spells. But uh, but yeah, it's very different from D anD. D anD. D is very like classic wizard. Um, Merlin from the King Arthur stories is probably like the the closest analog. I yeah, can I'm think sure of. a lot of people in these generations uh, 
remember the Disney classic, you know, Sword in the Stone and stuff yeah, like that. That, that is, Merlin is pretty. I, I um, do like that movie. Is pretty used is used often by you know writers and uh, people trying to p- portray a classic version of the wizard. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of wizards in pop culture are actually fashioned very closely after Merlin. They're like analogs for Merlin. Gandalf being one of them. Gandalf is very Merlin esque. Um, so who is Merlin? It's um, uh, from King Arthur, right? Yeah, it's from King Arthur. Tales yeah. of King Arthur, Ar- yeah. Arthurian uh, lore. The mists of Avalon. Uh, Merlin, I remember being typically like really smart. Um, yeah, like into alchemy. Yeah, um, can do magic, but is very wise, and he's famous for uh, aging in reverse, kind of like Benjamin Button. Is he? I actually don't know that much about Merlin. Yeah, he's born. He's born an old man, and he ages into youth. What the fuck. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, my understanding of him. Stephen yeah. King writes a version of Merlin. Okay. In his in some of his stories, and that's how he's portrayed. He, he ages in reverse. Oh wow. Okay, I didn't he, know that. For he, for me, Merlin's always been. Um, very archetypical. He's you know hyper intelligent, wise old man. Um, Albus was, Dumbledore. Yeah, Albus Dumbledore. An who, 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 again, another another analog to Merlin. He was the second one I was going to name. Um, yeah, that whole very mysterious, very wise. Um, you know, very smart. You know that whole that whole deal. Also, the the long silvery beard. You know, that's yeah. Another. He's King Arthur's main. Um, what do you call him? Uh, advisor yeah yeah i knew that i knew that yeah well, so that, that there's a reason for that um and wizards carry on that uh that stereotype today as being uh of high intelligence yeah yeah and that's uh what sets the wizard apart from uh, all the other spellcasters in in the game of D D. um in in D D, when it comes to spellcasting you have what's called your spellcasting ability score it's basically the ability score that you attach to your capability of casting spells for clerics. It's their wisdom, which kind of shows like their, um, their faith and their devoutness to their deity and their innate understanding of the teachings of their religion. Um, for Druids, it's the same deal with wisdom and, you know, kind of their innate understanding of the natural world. And for other classes like paladins or warlocks or sorcerers comes from their charisma, which is like, uh, their strength of will. Like they have the power within them and they can force it to do what they want through their sheer will force. Wizards are not like that in this game. Wizards are the scholars of D and D. They are the ones who they're they're the physicists, if you will. They're the the rocket scientists. They're the ones that learn the understanding of the mathematics and everything behind how magic works, and they understand it in its finest detail, unlike any other class. And then from that knowledge, they learn how to manipulate it in such ways. Uh, how close is that to um, Gandalf from Lord of the Rings? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Gandalf is actually, most people don't know this, but Gandalf is actually, um, he is a member of a race of beings called the Maiar, which are basically analogs for angels. And he's basically, as Gandalf, he's in his mortal form upon you know Middle Earth. And his his powers are very limited there. He actually comes from the same class of beings as Sauron, although he's like a lower Maiar, while like Sauron's like a much in the higher echelons of the Maiar class of yeah. beings. That's a that's a totally different discussion. So not much like Gandalf at all. His his powers come from his innate divinity. Uh yeah. For, so for like um, is is it anything more while we're on the topic of Lord of the Rings like Sauron or um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, uh, Saruman, Saruman, yeah, I so like Saruman. good. He's badass. Yeah. Um, is he? Is he? Like, so that uh, Gandalf basically becomes the White later on. Spoilers. Yes, it basically spoilers, he spoilers. he is he is given higher powers by powers that are higher than him. You know, and so, so does he become more like a D and D wizard then? No, no, yeah. no. Again, his powers are are almost holy in in a way. So like, I would liken him more like a cleric. Um, I I do think they establish that uh gandalf likes the fire element um and yeah. when he does do magic he kind of casts from that source is that kind of like D&D? um no <laughs> uh, i think uh I, I i might be wrong in this regard it's been a while since i brushed up on my uh lord of the rings lore but i believe a lot of gandalf's fire abilities might come from the the ring of power that he has that most people don't know he even has he has one of the three elven rings that's right he does yeah. so uh so there's that like okay so so Tolkien, Tolkien's magic system and D&D's magic system are very, very different. Well, in Tolkien's world, magic, although it's there and it's real and you can prove it, it's much more like mysterious and like it's, it's hard to pin down like what it can and can't do. It's hard to, to define 
Uh, and that's how Tolkien designed it to be. He wanted it to be have a, like a high mystique. Yeah, bathed and, in mystery. Exactly. And... In D&D, magic is quantifiable. It's understood. It comes from different sources. And it's very blatant. And there are fireballs need... and there's lightning yeah. storms and there's illusion and there's enchantment and, and all that stuff. And it kind of needs to be because you're going to be using it in combat. And so that has to be quantified in order for you to deal like. A, yeah, an amount of damage. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Also, it's just the nature of the of this of the setting. You know, it's a high magic setting. Um, this I, is actually the first um, like parallel I haven't been able to draw from Lord of the Rings to to D and D's how magic works. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's true. And um, Harry Potter, you just get to abuse magic. You get to do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I think Harry Potter has a has a certain amount of uh, analog with with D and D magic in that like they. As a wizard, like you have to learn and understand how it works, you know. Yeah, that's true. You need yeah. to study. Yeah, you have to study. Um, that's why they're in school and shit. Yeah. So let's talk about um, mechanical advantages of uh, running a wizard. So running want, a wizard. Yeah, if you want to play wizard, um, what? Where do you start? Well, uh, like any class, you're gonna start. You're gonna open up your player's handbook and take a look at the class uh, stat blocks. But before before we do that, let's just talk a little bit about how spellcasting works. We don't have to get in the nitty gritty of it, but when it comes to spellcasting, um, all spells have certain things they require to be cast, um, and it'll be listed. Like when when you go to look up the spell, it'll kind of list what you need, and uh, they're called components. Some components are material; they'll be like a gold dust or bat guano or or some weird ingredient if you will that you have to acquire somewhere um and then the other two types of components would be somatic meaning um spellcasting gestures that you would do with your hands and then verbal basically the spell words and so you're in order to cast a spell you're going to have to have all these materials available to you that means that some spells you won't be able to cast if your hands are bound or if your mouth is gagged you may not be able to cast a spell yeah, or if uh, you can't reach something you need, like from your belt, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, all spells uh, cost a certain action to cast. Sometimes it's just a single action. Sometimes it's a bonus action or a reaction. And sometimes there are longer casting times, like 10 minutes to an hour. You, it just depends on the power of the spell and what you're trying to do. Um, all spells have different ranges from, you know, like from touching distance to like 50 feet. And they all have different area of effects. Some are single target and some are going to be like whole areas. And they'll describe like different areas like a cube or a sphere or a cone or, or whatever. And all that will be specified in the spell. Um, then, of course, there's the duration, whether the, the spell continues uh, to have effect after you've cast it or if it's all just instantaneous done in one. And some spells actually require a certain amount of concentration, which is a whole other mechanic, which basically just to break it down is it. If a spell requires concentration, the only things you really need to know about it are you can't cast another spell that requires concentration during it, and if you get harmed in any way, you're going to have to roll a constitution save to maintain that concentration. Much like real life, where if you uh, got hit in the shin with a baseball bat, you're probably not going to be concentrating on whatever it was you were thinking about before you got hit with the baseball bat. Exactly. (laughs) And then finally, um, there are what are called schools of magic, and each spell falls within one of the eight schools in this game. And the schools of magic are particularly important to the wizard it's himself or herself because the wizard actually ends up specializing in a school of magic of their choice. And that really will define their growth as they level up. Oh, what's a school of magic? Okay, yeah. It's, school of magic is a, it's a confusing phrase because you're like a school? That's okay. Yeah, like am I going to a Hogwarts it's or a place? It's just a categorization of spells. So there are eight schools of magic. Um, abjuration which is the categorization of spells that are like protective spells, shields and banishments and stuff like that. Conjuration spells, which are transportation spells like uh, teleportations or summoning of creatures or summoning of objects. Divination is another school of magic. It reveals information it's like seeing the future, soothsaying and all that stuff. Enchantment is the school that um, is about uh, casting charm spells or maybe even fear spells, like really affecting the mind. Um, there's evocation, which is your classic blaster wizard who's doing fireballs and lightning spells and all that stuff. Evocation is, um, the, oh, I just said evocation. Illusion is the school of magic where that one's pretty, 
uh, self-explanatory, you can create illusory effects, whether that be visual or smell or sight or whatnot. Um, necromancy is a dark school of magic which manipulates the energies of life and death. And basically, you can you can raise skeletons up from from the dead, and they can do your bidding. Or you might be able to drain the life force from another creature. And then lastly, there's a transmutation spell school, which changes the properties of a creature or an object or an environment, and basically transforms something into something else. And those are those are your schools of magic. Okay, so now that we've touched on the basics of what it means to to use magic and cast spells, uh, how do we build a wizard? Um, you're going to start, you're going to open it up your, uh, player's handbook to page, uh, 112 and you're going to take a look at the, the wizard, uh, class block, if you will. And, um, I guess you would start after rolling your ability scores, you would take a look at the hit die and, you know, decide or see how much hit points your wizard is going to have. Um, so when we, when we went back and we were talking about the fighter, we talked a little bit about hit dice and the the fighter has the hit die of 1d10 per fighter level which is not too shabby the wizard only has a d6 yeah your your um your hit points are pretty valuable when you are uh casting magic usually um yeah 1d6 plus your con mod and uh your hit points at higher levels it says 1d6 or 4 Plus your constitution modifier per wizard level at fir- after first. Yeah, and that just means each level up that you do, you're going to add 1d6 plus your constitution mod. It's just much lower than the fighter. You're much squishier. You will drop faster. You Not not only are you not armored like a fighter because you're a wizard and you need to have access to hand movements and gestures and, and whatnot. Um, and so you can't take hits as well. But uh, when you do get hit, it's it's that much harder because you just don't have the hit points to keep you alive. So um, when you're a wizard, it's it's always nice to have big bulky dudes or or females at the front line. Okay, next is your uh, your proficiencies, right? Yeah. So again, with the fighter, we had a plethora of proficiencies, uh, all types of weapons, all types of armors, et cetera, et cetera. With the wizard, it's quite limited. Uh, you are not proficient in any kind of armor. You you have to wear cloth outside of like some feet or something that you take. Um, and the weapons that you're proficient with are very basic, and there's only like five or six of them. So let me see. I'm, I'm looking at daggers, darts, slings, quarterstaffs, and light crossbows. Yes. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to wizards, like I've always had a little bit... like I understand the mechanical uh, reasons why the wizard would probably need to be proficient in some of these basic weapons. It just seems a little like... I don't know. Like I, I just out of out of out character, of, out of character for the wizard. Like yeah, I've never really imagined a wizard with a like a bow and arrow or a crossbow. In this case, um, a dagger I can definitely see. Yeah, uh, darts. I mean, I don't. I don't <laughs> think of anybody with darts. I think of like um, people like uh, stealthing around and like uh, like assassinating people or like poisoning people in the jungle and stuff like that. And dart dart fighting. right. Well, um, and here's the thing. These weapon for proficiencies really, really date back to older editions of D&D where running out of spells was a serious problem for the low-level wizard. And um, you basically you had to have that crossbow if you did not want to die within your first three levels of, of leveling up. Right. Because, it's, it's, I mean, D&D, 5th edition DVD, it's still pretty tough out there for the wizard, but uh, at lower levels. But it, nothing like it was in the dark days of pre-4th edition uh, where the wizard was very, very vulnerable in the beginning. So, like, it kind of just made sense mechanically for you to have to have that. For me, it's always felt a little out of character, like, that, that the wizard who spent so much of his life studying spells, so much so that he can't even wear basic leather armor, would still learn to be proficient with light crossbows, because realistically, crossbows are hard to aim, just like any projectile weapon. Yeah, um, I think the dagger makes the most sense yeah. besides the quarterstaff. Um, yeah. Just having, like, it's not hard to get proficient with a dagger, is it? Like, yeah, I mean, I guess not. I don't know. You if know somebody what? runs up on you, you can at least give them a stab. Exactly. A little shank, a little yeah. side, a little kidney stab. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know what? Everyone runs their games and their worlds differently. So it, even yeah, though it what may you, what not make you really want to do with your wizard. Yeah, and even though it doesn't make sense to me necessarily, like, that doesn't mean it totally doesn't make sense in another game in another world. 
Um, Next is tools, which says none. none. So we'll skip Again, right on the you skills. Are, you are not, yeah, you're not proficient in any type of tools except for magic using. You're too um, busy yeah. with your magic stuff. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, the saving throws for the wizard are his intelligent and intelligence and wisdom saves. And that just goes to show, like, it's how the wizard has spent most of their lives, um, you know, in the mind, if you will, honing, honing their mind. And thus, they're really good at saving intelligence and wisdom saves. And then you get to choose your skills from Arcana, History, Insight, Investigation, Medicine, and Religion. Again, very brainy skills, very intelligent skills. You pick two of those. You pick two of those. And you're going to get two more usually from your, um, from your background. And, and who knows, you might even get one from, from your race. And then your uh, starting equipment, which I think is important to spend a little time on. Um, this says you start your, uh, with the following items plus anything provided by your background, which is a quarterstaff or dagger. Uh, and the component pouch or an arcane focus, which I know we're going to be talking a little bit about. Mm-hmm. And then you get a scholar's pack, which I don't know anything about, and an explorer's pack, which is the one I took, and your spell book, which we're going to spend some time on too. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we already kind of talked about quarterstaff and dagger. Let's go right into the component pouch. Okay. And the component pouch is just going to be the pouch in which you keep your components. There's no mechanical thing to that. It's just where you keep your components. Now, here's the thing about components. Every DM does this differently. I usually don't keep track. I got too much stuff to keep track of. And it's like, like keeping track of like um, getting food and water. It's like a wizard like stocking back up on components because some of them are used. You you take them out, you do your spell, and then the components are gone, right? Like Yeah, some some do use up the components permanently. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how many. I know most don't. Um, but if uh, I know the way you, you say in when you're running the game, um, you're you're the wizard. You know where to get these components. It's usually something like broken glass or like yeah, it's real arbitrary stuff. It's just yeah, like just, okay, just go break a window. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess you could. Here's the thing: if I have a if I have a player who's a wizard and he wants to like really get super involved in that nitty gritty stuff and like like I want to keep track of my components, I'm like fuck, okay, cool, let's do it. Like I'll I'll spend the extra time to do that for them. But when it comes to my game, like usually outside of that, and I'm not gonna bother. If like if you can cast a spell and your hands aren't bound and you're not gagged, and like I'll trust that you got the components. You know, I'm, it's just not something I'm interested in keeping track of. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on. How about uh, arcane focus? That's uh, that one. Kind of you were trying to explain this to me the other day. It was a little confusing. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the arcane focus is like in order to cast spells, you have to have one. Um, and certain classes will have like specific objects that they can use as arcane focuses, but um, an arcane focus is just something simple, like uh, whether it be a wand or an orb or a staff, something that your character uses to uh, cast spells, and without it, they usually cannot do so. Yeah, it seems pretty popular to um, like as a goof almost to to have people uh, use an umbrella. Uh, I've seen that quite a bit, actually, like with uh, with Harry Potter, Hagrid's using an umbrella to cast his magic. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's a wand in there, right? I think so. I think Hagrid's, uh, the remains of his broken wand are actually embedded in the umbrella, illegally, I might add, actually. Yeah, um, <laughs> please excuse us if we say something non-canon and you're a fan. I don't mean to offend. Uh, <laughs> not a Harry Potter uh, expert by any means. I, I do like it, though, very much. I, I love Harry Potter. Um, so your arcane focus can't be anything. Not not usually, no. I know that there are magic items that can also be an arcane focus um, or a spellcasting focus. Actually, this is where like we were getting into the specifics of the wording between arcane focus and spellcasting focus. Yeah, um, All and why, fo- need to, why you need to differentiate I don't two. think there's a, like an actual reason, but usually uh, Wizards of the Coast is pretty careful in their wording. So they usually word things in such a way so that people can't... Uh, cheat or like find loopholes and get around stuff yeah or do so. something you're not supposed like um by cheating we mean like becoming unbalanced which is to be more powerful in one aspect than you were meant to be yeah exactly so i mean for all intents and purposes the spellcasting focus is an arcane focus so i mean i don't see any reason to like need to differentiate that at this point of the conversation yeah besides but, um, well besides um besides like getting trained in a dagger or a quarter staff or like some kind of combat thing like that mm-hmm. um this seems like the first thing where it's really, uh, really starting to get into like your backstory will determine what your arcane focus is at the beginning of the game, probably. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's you know, it's kind of whatever you choose it to be because it, it's no matter what it is, um, outside of like, oh well, it's a plus one magic sword. Well, no, it's not. 
because I'm not going to allow that. <laughs> but um, it, it's just, it's all flavor there. So whether you want it to be a wand, an orb, a staff, a totem, a talisman, whatever you want, that, you know, whatever, whatever fits your needs. Yeah. This gives you some freedom to, uh, uh, I don't know, like um, in Inception, they had their, uh, they had their totems. Is that what they call them? Um, they had their, they oh, had, yeah, the, they yeah. had to like have it on them and know like, oh, I'm in the, I'm in the real world or I'm in, I'm in the dream world. They knew by, like the real world object that they kept on them. It right. could be whatever they wanted to be. So in this case, I guess you could just make it, make it like that and then just yeah. flavor it like, sure. Oh, this shit does magic now. Like, or, di- yeah. or ha- well, always has. Not, that's the thing. It's not doing magic. You're using it as a focus to perform magic. That's right. It's a channel. Yeah. It's a channel. There we go. Um, so, and then let's get, let's go move on to the spell books. The spell book is actually something that is sets the wizard again, aside from other spellcasters. Well, uh, well, uh, well, some classes like the cleric or the paladin, they have access to their entire spell list and they just kind of prepare their spells for the day. Um, the wizard has to learn his spells or her spells and literally write them down and copy them into a spell book in order to hang on to that knowledge. Um, so your spell book is very precious to you as a wizard and you will, over the course of your campaign, fill it up with more and, and, and more spells as you, as you level. And then of course, in the, along the story, you might come across spells on scrolls and then copy them into your book. Cool. That seems good. Yeah. It's, it's a cool little thing. I, I like, uh, spell books. Do you have, um, what comes with the scholars pack in there? I haven't read what comes, I, I had the explorers pack, which comes with like a, a pickaxe and like, um, like torches and Kindle and everything you're going to need to be exploring. Uh, it had my rope in there. I love my rope. My rope is so cool. <laughs> Rope's always um, coming but in. But what does Scholar Pack got in? I have uh, no idea. Let's see. Okay, I pull it up right here. So your Scholar Pack, your Scholar Pack is going to include a backpack, a book of lore, a bottle of ink, an ink pen, ten sheets of parchment, a little bag of sand, and a small knife. Cool. And that's that. So that's what um, I guess that's what you're using to write in your spell book. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So after spellcasting. And which is something we've gone over. Spellcasting is a feature that wizards get. Uh, wizards also get something called ritual casting, which not all spellcasting classes get. In this game, um, some spells are considered to be ritual spells, which means you can cast them in such a way where you don't need to expend a spell slot. Um, spell slots are kind of the the finite quantification of magic in this game and you only have so many and they expend over the course of your day and once they're out they're gone until you make another long rest so sometimes you might not want to cast a spell if you don't necessarily have to um ritual casting is a nice way to get around that because some some spells count as rituals and you can just cast it as a ritual and the trade-off there is it just takes longer to cast like an hour or something like that versus like a minute which would expend the spell slot and you get the benefits of the spell without actually expending the spell slot, which is yeah, nice. Yeah, ritual casting, um, I feel like, keeps you from getting punished for using spells outside of combat. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, detect magic is a big one. Like, a lot of times you're going to be really needing to try and detect if there's magical traps or something nearby, but you only have so many slots. So you do that three times, most of your slots are already gone. What do you do when a fight actually happens? So to get around that, detect magic actually uh, counts as a ritual, and it may slow down your progress through an area, but sometimes it's it's the safer bet to go and uh, go ahead and cast that ritual. Yeah, it'll probably be worth it to um, check for traps along your way. Yeah, um, absolutely. But maybe your character is not interested or doesn't know about traps yet. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, another way of getting around um, your your limited number of spell slots is... The nice addition of really potent cantrips in this game. Now, cantrips are simply a type of spell which are not powerful enough to to warrant a level slot, like level one, two, three, four slot. Um, and you can cast them as many times as you want. For and free, kind for free, of. For free, kind of, yeah. Um, now, it used to be back in the day the cantrips were really, really minuscule. Like, they basically were, were nothing. They're like little sensory effects and stuff that you yeah, can do. Make like light and stuff, like a small amount of light or something. Exactly. Like that. Um, but now, now cantrips have been uh, really buffed up, and now things like Ray of Frost or Firebolt, 
Things that do damage. Things that do damage. Um, for free, kind for of. For free, kind of, yeah. So, I mean, it just it takes your turn. It's like your basic attack. Yeah, we um, we got into it where we were talking about a guy um, firing off gusts, which is a cantrip in the middle of town. It's just a big puff of air. Oh, yeah. And yeah. just doing it over and over and over. Yeah, again. if you yeah. want to test the, the boundaries and... Um, and go for go for the limit and like re, like overuse one cantrip. Um, you'll probably end up getting punished um, in some way, which is to say like you'll get tired. Uh, and exactly. I'll make you roll a Constitution save if you're doing that for an hour. It doesn't make sense to do anything otherwise. Yeah, it's just um, a reflection of the real world where you just can't uh, you can't just do stuff forever. Exactly. You, you you have mental wear and physical wear. So cantrips are a, a really fun. I, I, I don't want to call them a new addition to this edition of D&D because Cantrips have been around for a long time. They just got buffed. Yeah, they just got buffed, and it's awesome, and I love it. Um, and yet another way to get around your spell slots, which seems to be a running theme for the first level of Wizard, is you get something called Arcane Recovery, um, where normally you have to do a full long rest to get all your spell slots back. But Wizards get a thing called Arcane Recovery, where once a day, when they take a short rest, they re- can recover a certain amount of their slots back. I think it's equivalent to half your wizard level with a minimum of one. So if you're a level one wizard and you take a short rest, you can use Arcane Recovery to gain a level one spell slot back. Yeah, um, and you round up from that. And you round up for that. So later on, let's say you're a level 10 wizard, you can you can restore up to five levels worth of slots. So like I, that could be one level five slot or five level one slots or anything in between. This does say that uh, none of the slots can be of six level or higher. Okay, so there you go. So uh, Yeah, so let's say you go out, uh, do some shit, cast some spells, and then you take a short rest and you want to go out and do more shit and cast more spells, and then you take another short rest... You used up your arcane recovery. Um, you're gonna have to probably take a long rest after that because it's once it's once per day. So until the next day, mm-hmm. you can't do the arcane recovery, which kind of keeps uh, it'll keep people in check. From um, you know, they don't want you abuse, abusing your spells too much. Yeah, because here's the thing about spells uh, in this game: spells are built-in mechanics that literally break the rules. They break the physics of the game. And so, yeah, magic to, breaks the laws of normal physics. Exactly. So you you have to have things built in that prevent the wizard or any other spellcaster, excuse me, any other spellcaster from um, just going wild with it. And it used to be um, in like third edition, second edition, all the way back to first edition, um, that at the beginning of a campaign, low level characters, the wizard was almost useless. Just like a bag of HP that was super vulnerable and not very useful. A bag of HP, a yeah. meat, meat bag. Yeah, and by but by the end of the game, by like the upper levels of the game, the wizard was so damn powerful that everyone else was obsolete around like the wizard or the druid or whatever spellcaster you had around. Now you're so the meat so, bags. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, so much so that the the fighters and, and whatnot were nothing but bodyguards for their godlike wizard, and. um I don't really like that. I, I think that's, you know, that's poor Some, balance. Sometimes I feel like that now when, like, uh, I did eight damage and then fucking somebody comes in with fireball and does, like, 30. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But they pay for it by expending their spell slots. It's and true. They and don't get to do that, like, a bunch of times. Like, a fighter just keeps on hitting and that's that's that. It's true. Um, and But what I feel like 5th Edition has done a good job of kind of compressing that um, the upper and lower end of that so that wizards are more useful than they used to be at lower levels and fighters are more useful than they used to be at higher levels and wizards aren't necessarily quite as godlike powerful um, at higher levels in this game. Yeah, so um, when you become a second level wizard, uh, that's when you get to choose uh, your arcane tradition, which is one of um, one of the eight schools of magic, right? Yep, yep. And while like other classes have archetypes or... Pacts with greater beings or bloodlines or whatever. Wizards have schools of magic. And this is where your um, specialization is going to kick in. And it's going to continue defining your wizard through the levels. Um, And they're going to do all kinds of things. Like uh, if you choose abjuration, um, you're going to be able to weave magic around yourself for protection. It's not going to cast a spell slot. This is just something that you can innately do. And that's going to level up as you keep going. And you're going to learn how to protect... Um, perhaps like your your allies and stuff with your projected wards and whatnot, and like each class, just you become more and more specialized in that style of magic, and you're capable of doing things within that school. But it doesn't it doesn't count as a spell. It doesn't cost a spell slot. School of enchantment, you're going to get a hypnotic gaze. 
um, you know, school of divination, you're going to be able to um, um, kind of divine portents. You know, I think, think the way that works is like you basically you roll two die and two like D20s and you hold those rolls and you save them and you can actually replace a future roll at some point during that day with. That oh, my role. God. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, divination is a pretty cool school. That's sick. Yeah. So like, you know, and the, that's the thing you get to choose. So like if you roll two of them. Uh, and they suck. You well, you don't got to use them. But if you roll uh, like a crit or like two really high rolls, like you're gonna you're gonna feel very confident when it comes to actually using like a big spell or a big anything. You can guarantee it goes off. Exactly. It's That's really, cool. really 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 yeah. good because uh, there there are almost no guarantees in D and D when yeah, you're yeah. Uh, when the, you're at the mercy of the D twenty. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the school of evocation, you know, which is the the blasting one where you're you're doing a lot of explosive magic, real damage stuff. Like in Skyrim, it would be the destructive school of magic. Um, one of the one of the dangers of doing that kind of magic is like you can hurt your allies. Uh, hell, you've seen it a, a bunch of times with Thanic. Like people get hurt because of him sometimes. That's Not a, that he means to. Yeah, no, it it, it happens. Um, it happened to um, to poor Icarus. Yeah, it happened to poor and Jake's it, character. We gotta stop opening this wound. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do. So um, I never really, uh, I never thought to. I now that I think about it, the games like um, like Oblivion, Skyrim, and like Dark Souls and stuff that personifies the the D and D wizard pretty well. Don't you think? Yeah, actually, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, uh, Elder Scrolls. Yeah, definitely very and, uh, and a lot of people, you know, gaming today. Um, I was talking to somebody that doesn't know really know what D and D is, and we were having like I felt like I was talking about D and D. We were just talking about Dark Souls. I'm like, oh, oh there cool. you go. So there you go. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So back to evocation wizards, you know, they, they, they specialize in that explosive dangerous magic and what they're capable of doing starting all the way at, you know, just a second level. So really early on, they're able to sculpt their spells in order to prevent so damage from their allies. This is, is way cool. Really powerful. That's really cool. Yeah. There's a lot of spells that are like big cubes or spheres that are just going to fuck up anybody standing in, in that area. Yeah. Shaping your, like, you just make a pocket for your dudes and yeah. they, they get to, they get to just go and not worry about you doing crazy shit. Cause mm-hmm. you're going to be fine. That's, exactly. that's so good. It's really good. And all, and all the schools of magic, I would say all of them are pretty good. You know, the illusion school, the necromancy school is really cool. You can start like summoning like skeletons. And from my <laughs> understanding, I don't, I, I haven't ran a necromancer. I haven't seen one ran, but like my understanding is like, you could probably slowly raise an army of undead over time. I don't see why not. <laughs> Just leave them in the ground. Every time you go back to like, yeah. if you've got a home base that you're going back to in your campaign, <laughs> yeah. you just have a, a little plot in your, your area and you go back and you just make a few skeletons every time you're there. There you go. You know, <laughs> And just that's the patient, thing. Uh, necromancy is a funny. We'll need you someday. Necromancy is a funny school, just because uh, it's it seems inherently evil, but it's an option for you. And like, not that running an evil character isn't an option. It's just usually your characters aren't evil. Yeah, in our campaign now, necromancy is like a taboo. Yeah, definitely. We don't touch the deads. No, and that's that's partially because your warlock is super paranoid about it all, and they smell nasty, and they say <laughs> they smell gross. <laughs> so, I mean, the, it, with the wizard, it kind of goes on to to your growth basically is the the growing specialization of your school which you get like every three or four levels you get another arcane tradition feature um you're going to get your ability score improvements and like your your optional feats just like any other class um and then the only other thing that's really like improving and defining your wizard is learning new spells and getting higher and higher spell slots so you just the wizard more than any other class really like grass and dives right into spell casting. It is what they do. It is their life's blood. It is everything to the wizard. And by the time you're a tenth level wizard, you you seem pretty fucking powerful. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, look at Thanic. He's not even a wizard. He's a warlock. That feels ridiculous. Yeah, he's really powerful. He makes sometimes when he's doing <laughs> stuff, he makes me feel like real small. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that's I'm just a lowly fighter. <laughs> that's one of the side effects of being a basic class like a fighter. I'll just swing my sword but over here. Thanks. Don't worry, the fighter gets really cool stuff as he keeps leveling. So I'm sure you'll. you'll oh be yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not unhappy with my fighter at. At any means, but in the lower levels, when he was throwing out fireball against like stuff that uh, is weak to fire, as <laughs> like my damage is so small compared to his. But I'm I my character racks up damage pretty quick if you leave him unchecked, which happens yeah, happens a lot. People yeah, are yeah. people want to go for the the wizard, and I'm standing in front of them, so there's that's pretty good. I do I do like being the team's um, front runner bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's synergy there, you know. Uh, 
the wizard needs a fighter, and the fighter really benefits from having a wizard on the team. So, hell and that's yeah. hell. That's what D and D's about. That's why you're a group. Like you all need each other. So. Yep, we have a ranger. Uh, he finds shit and gets us through places. <laughs> yeah, and he's sneaky. And we have a we have a non sneaky dragon man healer. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And also, your warlock doubles as a healer too with this cleric multi class. That's right. He did do that. that yeah. And that's been helping a lot. My ointment finally ran out. I had a I had a king of tomes ointment that had five uses, and it is gone. And mm-hmm. I feel real vulnerable sometimes, but not mm-hmm. with these guys around. Yeah. There you go. What else we got for the wizard? Anything Anything else we want to get into? I know there's like really cool high level stuff, but that's just like every character. Once you get up to, you know, 18, 19, 20, you're, you're balling. Yeah. You know, the, the higher levels are like almost a totally different game uh, to me. Cause like the lower levels, like you have to really worry about, uh, death is very serious, uh, danger around the corner. You never know what you won't be able to handle, what you'll need to retreat from. By the time you guys are getting in the high levels, like, you guys can take on some really heavy stuff, and uh, we're just going to have to see how that goes. I, I, I don't want to really get into the high-level stuff in this podcast, but I do want to try something. I want, I want you to build a wizard, and let's see how it goes. Okay, let's do that. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all in one e commerce platform to their in person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, we wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for listening and watching. We really appreciate your support. If you like what we do here at the Dungeon Cast, please spread the word and tell your friends about us. You can find us on SoundCloud.com slash TheDungeonCast, on iTunes, or click the link in the description to hear us on YouTube. Please don't forget to like and subscribe, and if you have a question, suggestion, or just want to say hi, feel free to leave a comment. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at the DungeonCast, or send us an email at thedungeoncast at gmail.com. That's it for the break. Enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so I'm sitting here with Will, and I've got my character sheet out, blank, and ready to go. <laughs> um, so I'm going to be a wizard. Uh, let's see. I need, first thing is my, let's go with the race. Uh, I think I decided I'm going to be a human. Yeah. Um, and I think I will make a character that is chaotic good because wizards uh, being chaotic good means that they can like they'll probably sacrifice sometimes. Like I'm always I'm picturing like a building blowing up and shit like mm-hmm. for the greater good. Bah. Yeah. And like, and, like they don't care that it, what they did was illegal. Yeah. Or, or whatever. That, <laughs> okay. So that seems pretty cool for okay. um, somebody so powerful like uh, outside of battle. That seems great. Um, 
background? What are some cool backgrounds? Um, there's a whole bunch. Uh, Acolyte, Entertainer, Guild Artisan, um, Urchin, um, Noble. I like Noble. We all know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go with Entertainer. I haven't, uh, I haven't really done anything. I didn't know about that. that okay. Morning. Yeah, Entertainer's cool because uh, you get uh, proficiency in an instrument. You get acrobatics and performance, I believe, as your skills. Let me look this up. Acrobatics and performance. That sounds like so, an yeah, Entertainer ahead, to me. Go ahead and mark those down as okay. proficiencies. Um, let me find it here. Acrobatics okay. and what? And performance. Performance. Cool. You're proficient in disguise kits, one type of musical instrument, and you get the feature by popular demand, which basically means that any place that you are staying, like an inn or a tavern, you can um, kind of earn your keep by entertainment. Okay, sweet. Yeah. yeah, so I can just be like, hey, I do some sick-ass magic to barkeep, and yeah. can I do a show tonight? I uh, This is my rate. Hell yeah, let's do Sick. it. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so that's how he'll operate. He'll be cool. traveling from town to town, peddling his skills. Um, I don't know what kind of magic should he do. Like, what would be really cool? Um, I feel like uh, like something bright, like with lights and stuff, would be something cool that he could do. Yeah. Um, or like uh, divination, maybe for like fortune telling purposes, or he like could do that. Yeah. Uh, what what else we got? Um, what would what do you illusion, think? Illusion, I think, would be really Ooh, cool for magic shows. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's go okay. with illusion, illusion magic. magic. So, so um, well, that that okay. Let's pump the brakes there because that's level two. So okay. let's let's first let's uh, let's actually let's roll your ability scores first thing. That's the first thing we should actually okay, do because okay. that's that. going to define everything. So I'm rolling. Uh, we're going to do this the traditional traditional way, not my homebrew way, since we're doing this for a podcast. So you're going to roll four d sixes and okay. you're going to add the highest numbers together. Okay. Do you want to um, write these down for me yeah, while sure. I roll them? Yeah, sure. Okay. So uh, we're gonna do strength first. Yeah. Uh, I, you don't. You don't have to pick the abilities. Just you're gonna roll six and then um, put them where you want. Okay. So roll four d sixes. What do we got? One. Six. Okay. Three. And one again. Okay, that's a ten. Okay, so for the next one, two. Two. Five and four. Okay, that is an 11. Five, two, two, three. I'm pumping in a lot of twos. <laughs> yeah, I think that puts you at 10 again. Oh, shit. You're very mediocre so I'm far. I'm just a regular dude. <laughs> You're a really shitty wizard. Four. <laughs> Good. Whoops. Four. Six. Oh hell yeah. And five. Oh damn. Good okay. set. Good what set. Is that, 15? Yeah. Nice. Four, four, six, five. Yeah. <clears throat> uh okay. Uh how many more do I got to go? Yeah, two more to go. Okay. Six. Four. Yeah, yeah, fire. Six. Holy crap. I swear to God. Two. Oh, okay. I was gonna say. <laughs> We need a camera on this. That People puts, aren't going to believe me. Yeah, that puts, that's a 16. Okay, you got one more. Cool. You got a good fucking wizard. Five. Okay. Three. Okay. Four. Yep. One. Okay, that is a... I can do math. 12. Nice. That's that's a nice, well-rounded set. You got a 16, a 15, a 12, and then a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> cool. The, the, the bullshit Here. is what I need to fill I out. Will, um, I will hand this to you. Okay, sick. Go for it. And then I just allocate these how I want, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would say intelligence or dexterity should be your highest. Intelligence, probably. Do you have the pen? Gonna... Oh, yeah, I do. Here you go. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so intelligence uh, or what? Or wisdom? Or uh, dexterity. Or dex. Oh, yeah. Remember, yeah I'm a performer. Remember, intelligence is your spellcasting ability. Dexterity right. is, well, you were thinking performer. I was thinking of keeping you alive, and dexterity is going to tie into your armor. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, both. There we go. It's always nice to have a, a in-character reason to have a good AC. I do like the in-character, um, like my background being I was, uh, I like being trained as a trained as a boy okay. until I was about a teenager, somewhere between... Um, 13 and 18 uh my my master or my trainer uh dies unexpectedly or something and i get uh i get real aloof and i just uh kind of take off but i was a prodigy let's just go with that of course you were of course i was that's why i have a 16 in this intelligence right now (laughs) hell yes so that's the 16 gone 15 i'll put on the decks okay 
So that's that gone. And then let's see. Uh, my next highest stat is a 12. I'll put that as my wisdom. Mm, I mean, yeah, by all means, do what you want. I was thinking if he's a performer, he's got to have some charisma, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, um, and then everything else. So I got, I have a two tens and 11 and 12 to work with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, actually, charisma would be really cool to have. Um, that would make sense too. A twelve in charisma is is pretty pretty good above average. I think mm-hmm. I would, wouldn't have too much trouble. Well, I have that feature though, um, the entertain from the entertainer by um, popular demand. Yeah, makes it so that you can play a show. I mean, your performance skills are going to define how much people like it. <laughs> That's true. Well, like I mean, the magic will come out into play. Yeah, yeah. So that will be, but charisma on top of it, like being a good, uh, having a good stage presence, is important. Yes. So yeah, we'll put that twelve there. <laughs> And then the eleven should definitely be constitution. Did you right? did you tell our audience your character's name? Oh yeah, uh, he's gonna be uh, Godfrey the Glamorous. Hell yeah! And uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be his stage name. I think I might come up with a real name for him later. But oh, okay, he's, he's gonna be Godfrey <laughs> the Glamorous. That's his stage name, and that's the name he'll go by for now, uh, unless I think of something before the end of this. Let's uh, go. Uh, yeah, wisdom. My next highest stat's gonna be. Oh, do you think wisdom should be an 11 or constitution? Um, I guess I'm going to be know, squishy no matter what. What you going to do? <laughs> yeah, okay, 11 wisdom, and then 10s in strength and con. All right. So, All right, so go ahead. There's uh, that. You know how to do the uh, the um, mod, right? Uh, yeah, for uh, every even above 10, you get plus one, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so 10 ahead. is a zero. Yeah, that makes a zero. Uh, 15 is a two. And 16 is oh, a three. Wait. I just thought we haven't actually applied your human benefit, which you get to add a plus one to two scores of your choice. Ooh. Um, ooh, shit. You might want to turn a couple of those odds into a couple more evens. Yeah, I'm definitely doing the dex. So that's a 16 <laughs> for dex. Yeah. And uh, yeah, human. Yeah, human's cool. Um, And then wisdom. That'll make it a 12. Hell yeah. There you go. Cool. All right, now do your Ooh, wow. Buff. I'm a buff man. Yeah, not too Okay, shabby. so I got zero strength. I got a three in dex now. Uh, zero yes. constitution. I got a three in intelligence. I've got a, two, uh, a one in wisdom and a one in charisma. There you go. All right, cool. So let's move on. Um, let's start with your hit die. You get 1d6 per, per level. Um, okay, so for the first level of any character, when it comes to hit die... Rather than roll the hit die, you just max it out. So um, your 1d6 is just a 6 plus your con mod, which is what, 0? Yeah. You said 0. So 6 for level 1, and then for level 2, you're going to go ahead and roll that d6. Okay, here we go. And add a 0 to it. Uh, 6. Oh, Jesus. Oh, nice. Okay, so 12. 12. 12. Yeah, nice. Um, so 12 is your HP. Okay. Um, armor, you're wearing cloth, so you don't add anything but your dexterity mod. So uh, you, everyone day. everyone has a base 10 uh, for when it comes to armor. So I've got a 13 AC. So you have a 13 AC, yeah. yeah. That's a little rough. Yeah. It's, well, you're used to your fighter, so. Yeah. Go ahead and pick two skills from this list. Are you ready? Yeah. Arcana, history, insight, investigation, medicine, and religion. Ooh. Um, I think Arcana. Arcana yeah, given. definitely. Yeah. And then, uh, so I, I fill in the little bubble, right? Yeah, you're going to fill in the bubble. Yeah, it's been I, a while I, since I, I would built argue, a character. I would argue that as a uh, performer, maybe insight, reading a crowd's important. No, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I was thinking about that, too, so I can uh, detect people trying to swindle me out of my money, too, oh, for yeah, whatever too. reason. Yeah. So yeah, insight, because this guy, man, what is it with me and, like, trying to get my money? I, I don't know, man. Games. I think you're discovering something about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so... Uh, Okay, so we're I, you know, I don't want to even get... We'll pick some cantrips. How about that? We'll pick some cantrips. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. I was like, let's not pick spells, but you know, fuck that. Let's pick spells. Cantrips have to be uh, chosen wisely because they're going to be the main thing I perform with because yeah, they're free as true. fuck. It's true. That they are, and I you get, uh, you're going to know three. So I'm going to go ahead and list them to you, and when you want them, just say, hey, that one. Can you flavor Gust to do... Um, I'm a Last Airbender fan, and there's this scene where he gets these little marbles, and he mm-hmm. like spins them in his hand with air. Not Gust. Gust oh, okay, okay. Be able to do that. Is Maybe, there something like that? I don't know. Mage hand. It's like air manipulation. Mage hand. But is there a way I could like kind of? It's funny. I would like minor to, illusion. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go with minor illusion. Okay, That's one yeah, of my favorite trips. Bam. What do I write? Done. Down? Attacks and spellcasting. Right. Sure. 
Okay. Wherever, wherever is most coherent for you. Okay. How about on this paper over here until yeah. I decide? Minor illusion. Minor illusion. That's a good one. I think prestidigitation is a must for a performer. You're, prestidigitation. You're, you're going to do all your sensory effects, all your sounds, and all your smells, and all your sparkles. and. How the hell do I spell and... prestidigitation? Oh, geez. Um, Don't worry about it. Okay. Let's, let, moving on. Okay, moving prestidigitation. On. And, I mean, you got to have at least one damaging one, right? Because Yeah. How about fire? How about uh, burning hands? Uh, that's burning a, that's hands a cantrip, is a, right? That is not a cantrip. Oh, wait. No, that's Fireball. level one. Fireball. Okay. Firebolt. Firebolt. Firebolt is your cantrip. What does firebolt look uh, like? Normally? I think it's it's just a, a d10 of fire damage, and I just think it's like a like a very small fire beam. I don't know why I'm doing this gesture with my hand. Like audience can like you're see this. Throwing a whip. Yeah, because I, yeah, I picture a wand, and I'm just oh, like, oh, like coming out of the hand. Of, okay, bolt. well now that I'm imagining a wand in your hand, you look not crazy. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, um, firebolt's a good one. I like firebolt. Uh, I'll flavor it so I can like puff it. Can I like? Just kind of shoot it. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Maybe why not? Fuck it. I want everything to be. All the cantrips are going to be for my my show. Yeah, and they're but have one should do damage. Yeah. 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 So I'll flavor it so they. Let's right. see what else we got. I'll here come up for... with a routine with uh, um, with firebolt. I mean, there's ray of frost. Ooh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a little dangerous. Yeah, I mean, fucking firebolt's not. So. Well, I don't want to freeze somebody. Oh, I mean, okay, all right, that's fine. Firebolt sounds good. What if they hit it on the table right after I do it? All right, moving up. on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, you're gonna get two first level spells. Sweet. Jesus, we had to choose the class with like the most goddamn spells. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to burning hands. You said you wanted that, right? Um, you have access to it, level one. Yeah, let's go with burning hands for now. Ooh, there's also color spray. What's that? It's like, uh, well, let's look it up. Well, let's do that rather than me just say wrong shit online. Let me see here. Color spray. <laughs> um, shit, shit, shit. Ah, oh, here we go. It's an illusion spell, so this kind of feeds into your illusion. Yeah. School. Uh, a dazzling array, array of flashing colored lights spring from your hand. Roll 6d10. The total is how many hit points of creatures this spell can affect. Creatures in a 15-foot cone originating from you are affected in ascending order of their current hit points. I want it. Yeah, yeah. Starting with the creature that has the lowest current hit points, each creature affected by this spell is blinded until the spell ends. And so it's, it's a blinding spell, if you will. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, it gets more and more powerful as you uh, get higher up in the spell slot level. So it, color spray. Color spray is on there. I can, uh, I'm imagining a scene where uh, my audience is outside while I'm doing a show and a monster comes up and I got to kill it and I got to make it look like part of the show. Mm-hmm. It'll be a funny scene. Okay. Anyway, cool. <laughs> so uh, um, I got that one. Let color me see what? Here. Color color, what? color spray. Spray. Okay, yeah. I gotta not forget that. Let's color see spray. here. Um, Damn. Now I want to run this guy. Like, there's a lot of cool ones, man. You got like find familiar. You can kind of like find an arcane pet that just like is could, um, could be your show pet. Can I change uh, my appearance with any of these uh, spells? Let me see here. I I want to say you can, but I'm not seeing it. Hold on. Disguise self. That that's probably exactly what you want. Is that a level one? Yep. Okay. Cool. It's a level one. So yeah, grab that one. Disguise self. Disguise self. I would highly recommend after those two, you learn the spell shield. That's just my. Oh wait, you're only level one. Oh no, you're level two. So you get another first level spell. Yeah, we're building a level two. Wizard. I would say shield, just because sometimes something really big is gonna get at you and sometimes being able to shield it is your last resort yeah i i uh i will be traveling and uh i will probably have to deal with ruffians and i will probably have if i'm good at what i do which i think i am have lots of money on me at some point so uh if i don't if i'm not like a a down on my luck sort of guy that spends it all on booze i might be a boozer i don't know yeah you could be be probably i'm probably a down on luck boozer i probably need a i probably need a reason to join a party and start doing some some actual good maybe blame yourself for your master's death yeah it could be that i could have uh fucking set his house on fire while i was while he was sleeping (laughs) yeah there you go i was just trying to practice my magic um okay so the last thing outside of like the little details we don't need to get into is your school of magic which you chose as an illusion let's go over what you get at level two um when you select the school of magic at second level all the gold and time that you must spend to copy an illusion spell in your spellbook is halved that's all the schools of magic are like that. Sick. Then you get improved minor illusion. When you choose the school at second level, you learn the minor illusion cantrip. If you already know this cantrip, you learn a different wizard cantrip of your choice. Oh, so now I get to, since I already picked minor illusion, I probably get to do yeah, another one. Yeah, you get one to then. pick a different one, yeah. Sick. The cantrip does not count against your number of cantrips. Known. When you cast minor illusion, you can create both a sound and an image with a single casting of the spell. So it just makes you a little bit better at it than other cool. wizards. 
Sweet. Um, uh, what other cantrip should I pick then? Go take a look. I got um, press the digitation and minor illusion, which means I'm making you see and and, uh, and sense shit that may not be there or and you prove got upon it. Okay, I'm just gonna list out some cool ones. Dancing lights, I think. It's- oh yeah, that one. Okay. I already knew I wanted that. One. <laughs> okay, I all right, about it. that was easy. Jesus, I need a light. Uh, lights are um, yeah, part of like the show. They can be spinning. They could be colored. They could do whatever you want. So dancing lights. There we go. I think. I think that's it. That's your guy, dude. This is pretty cool. Uh, he's doing like. I want to run this guy, or I'll, I'll probably use him as an NPC at some point. Yeah. That's like doing cool magic. Welcome and shit. to my world. I know you <laughs> build a guy, and then you gotta fucking throw him away, yeah. throw him right in the garbage. Yeah, there it is. Because uh, well, I, we've had an NPC with us for a couple games. Yeah, you've had a couple actually, a couple NPCs. Yeah, they're yeah. Um, they're yeah. they're palling around, being useful. Yeah, yeah, that they are. All right, so we're gonna post this, right? We're gonna post this where on. Oh um... uh, yeah, we're gonna throw this. Uh, we're gonna build this character. We've built this character. We're planning on um, uh, uploading this character sheet, like a scan, and then putting it onto uh, all of our social media. So follow us on Twitter at the Dungeon Cast. Um, we'll probably end up putting it on uh, on a Facebook as well, and uh, we're gonna be starting up an Instagram account. We're gonna put it there. So uh, hopefully, by the time you hear this, uh, all that stuff will be up and running, and we will have. Uh, we will have everything that you that we did today up for you to see. Uh, and for the future, every character that we build for an episode, we're going to do the same thing. So you get to see uh, what kind of characters we're, we're building here and uh, get an idea of uh, not only building a character for you to run in your uh, in a game, but if you are uh, trying to build NPCs with some flavor, um, here's like a cookie-cutter version of some stuff that we're doing. So feel free to use it. All right, everybody, with that, we're going to call it a game. Now I'm going to pass the torch to a man who just uh, wants to light up your way. You guessed it, it's the Sage DM. Go ahead and take it away, Sage DM. Hey, everybody. Sage DM here with your Sage DM advice for the week. Remember, give a man a match and he'll be warm for a minute, but set him on fire and he'll be warm for life. That's all I got this week, folks. Goodbye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.